This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Hello and welcome to Amazing Grace for another week. I pray you will be blessed by our program today. My name is Warren and I pray that you'll be blessed with what I share with you. Here at Amazing Grace we would love to hear from you if you have a question for us or maybe you'd like to make a comment on something that we've said. Please contact us. Um, We also have two free giveaways. uh, The book entitled Steps to Jesus and another book called The Desire of Ages. Both wonderful books. I highly recommend them, and I'm going to be reading from them today so that you get an idea of just how good they are. They always help me spiritually um, because they point out spiritual things that um, happened um, in the time of Christ in the book of the Desire of Ages, and Steps to Christ points out things um, in our own lives that, uh, that we need to be doing and the things that we don't want to be doing. And it's just a real help um, that the focus really should be Jesus. <clears throat> and uh, if we put our focus upon him, then everything else will fall into place. We're going to start our program with a devotion, but just before we do that, I'm just going to share with you the details of how you can contact us if you'd like one of those free gifts, the Desire of Ages or the Steps steps to Jesus. We're not giving away the DVDs anymore. Uh, we've given given them all away. And anyway, you can actually go to the to the uh, website, which is the Amazing Facts website. And if you put in Final Events, um, or you can just go to YouTube. Uh, go to YouTube, put in Amazing Facts Final Events, and um, you can watch it straight on YouTube. It's 40 minutes, great, great um, video about how the world will end. You know, there are so many people, and Hollywood has so many ideas, but this particular um, video has been taken from the Bible, so it's based fully on what the Bible says about end time. So it's taken the books of Matthew, uh, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 17 and 21, and also the book of Revelation, and just a few other passages from, from, I think, Thessalonians. And it's put them all together and given it an order. And so today you can actually look and watch that and see where we are in the stream of things as far as end times are concerned. Anyway, you can contact us um, if you would like either of the uh, the book, The Desire of Ages, or Steps to Jesus, or if you'd like us to pray for you, uh, we'd be happy to do that. And we've done that for a number of times. Most of the people just give us a request and ask us to pray off air. But look, we'd be happy to pray with for you on air if you would like that. All right, friends, why, why don't we... Uh, oh, no, that's right, I need to give you my um, details. So you can contact us by email on triple nine amazing grace at gmail.com. That's 999-AMAZINGGRACE, and Amazing Grace is only one G, at gmail.com. Or you can text or call us on 27 229-6624 That's 027-229-6624 Or, and some people have done this as well Is you can just contact the station Look, they, they always pass the information on And uh, 
as far as you know, some some people have uh, been reluctant uh, to perhaps take some of the free giveaways because they're concerned that if they give away their their uh, address, that you know we might start hounding them. I can promise you that uh, I will not hound you. None of us will at uh, uh, Amazing Grace here. None of us will hound you. We'll send you and. Um, We'll have our details in the book. If you want to contact us again, you're quite welcome to. Otherwise, uh, we won't be chasing you up. Um, All right, friends, let's just start the rest of our program with prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share the gospel. And Father, I just pray that you would speak through me. May the words that I speak today be your words. And may the people that are listening, the listeners and their families, be blessed as they, they hear the gospel. Uh, we know that Martin Luther said that um, <clears throat> we need to hear the gospel every day because we forget the gospel every day. And we just thank you that the gospel is such a beautiful thing. And so we just thank you for the plan of salvation. Uh, we invite you into our hearts and lives today, asking and praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, uh, we're going to just leave you with a um, a devotional thought today and we're looking at salvation this particular month and I've entitled this one Jesus the Great Divider Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low Isaiah 40 verse 4 One of the first groups that fell at the coming of Jesus who was set for the falling and rising of again of many in Israel, were the holders of tradition. Jesus said to those who came to him accusing his disciples of transgressing the traditions of the elders, in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Matthew 15 verse 9. The Christian church has often had problems with tradition. In all ages there have been Customs kept alive as doctrine that would have no Bible base. We often speak of the Antichrist in this connection, but let's face it, tradition can be a problem for every single church. Nothing wrong with tradition if um, if it doesn't go against the principles of God or the principles of the Bible. Um, Traditions can be fine, but it's when the traditions go against the principle of the Bible, that's, that's when it becomes an, an issue, a problem. A second group of people who fell and fell hard under Jesus' polarizing presence was a group we might call externalists. Um, they were consumed with the external things in, in life. They were preoccupied with how they washed the borders of their garments Long prayers, ties, and um, just everything they, um, even the flies in the soup or the gnats in their water. Jesus faced them squarely in Matthew 23 when he told them that while they were apparently clean on the outside, inside they were filthy. A third group who fell in the presence of Jesus were the self-righteous. How could they have missed the parable of the Pharisee and the publican as recorded in Luke 18? As we look back on it, it seems that it would have been inevitable that the self-righteous would have seen themselves pictured and admitted their need, but they held out against him and they fell. A fourth group were the wise, the people who tried to trick Jesus. Again and again the doctors were put to confusion by simple questions that Jesus asked them, questions that even children should be able to answer. They realized that the truth that he taketh the wise in their own craftiness, 1 Corinthians 3.19. Liberals often also, um, they fell in his presence. Jesus divided the broad church as well as the high church. The high church depends on its ritual. The broad church depends on its easygoing theology. And from all groups, those who relied on their leaders for the answers fell in the presence of Jesus, the great divider. Jesus being set for the fall of many in Israel was in reality, was in, reality in his lifetime. The hills and the mountains were laid low. So in other words, 
<clears throat> it's interesting, you know, in, in Christianity, it's all about opposites. If you want to win, you need to surrender. If you want to, if you want to go up in God's kingdom, firstly, you have to go down. And many people do not want to be humble. Many people do not want to repent um, because they think that they're right or they're too proud or they're too wise um, to repent. They're too wise to say sorry to somebody. Um, but they also don't realize that their pride needs to take a hit. And before we can go up, we need to go down. We need to humble ourselves before God. And when we do that, all things change. All right, friends, we're just going to um, have a, a music break, and we'll be back to you right after that. His son, they call. 
You're listening to Amazing Grace here on Manawatu People's Radio. All right, we've come time for the health tip of the week, and today we're going to look at water. Now, our bodies are made up of around about 60% of water, and our blood is made up of about 90% water. There is no universal agreed quantity of water that must be consumed daily, and I think we need to be careful um, about this, you know, because it depends on – there's so many variables. Uh, for example, body size. Um, I've got a friend um, who is of small stature, and he, was, he started drinking eight glasses of water a day, and he kicked it up to quite a lot more than that. I think it was up around 10, 12 and uh, then one day he collapsed on the the bathroom floor. Uh, what he did is he washed all of the sodium or the salt out of his body. Um, so we just need to be a little careful. Like we we start at, with a moderate amount of water and find what works for us. So if you're a bigger person, you need more water. Um, if you do lots of exercise, then you obviously need more water. Um, and, you know, there are just some different body types, and I'm not going to get into body types today, but, you know, there are so many. So to say that um, there, is, there is a right amount, I think universally it's accepted that eight glasses of water a day is about right. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been dehydrated sometimes um, during the day. I always take water with me, but uh, sometimes, especially a few weeks ago when the weather was quite hot, and I was doing a lot of exercise, um, I was finding that, um, you know, one litre while I was at work wasn't enough. And when I got home, I had the dry horrors, um, and I just consumed so much water. And it was like I just couldn't, I couldn't satisfy the thirst that I had. And I don't know how much I drank. And it was really surprising because I go to bed very early. But, you know, I was expecting to wake up and go to the toilet two, two or three times. But I didn't wake up once. Uh, so my body obviously needed that water. And that's why, you know, one of those things is when you have the dry horrors or you feel in your mouth that you're, you're dry, your organs are already being affected by dehydration. Uh, not severely, but there has been some... Uh, effect on your organs and so it's so so important um, and coffee for some people if you don't realize it but coffee actually is a, is a uh, is, is not a a water it's the opposite in fact it's it, it dehydrates you uh, so for every cup of coffee that you have you need to drink two more glasses of water so if you were to have, for example, two coffees a day, um, you would need to go from eight glasses of, of water. Now you would need to drink how many? Yeah, you'd need to drink 10. So the, the thing is that um, <clears throat> we... Where bodies are made of water and we need to keep hydrated. And I'm just going to run through a few of benefits um, that water has on our body. It lubricates the joints. Um, cartilage found in joints and the discs of the spine contain around 80% of water. Long-term dehydration can reduce the joint's shock-absorbing ability, leading to joint pain. Two, um, it forms saliva and mucus. Saliva helps us digest our food and keep the mouth, nose and eyes moist. This prevents friction and damage. Drinking water also keeps the mouth clean. Consumed instead of sweetened beverages, it can also reduce tooth decay and we all would want that because it costs a fortune when you go to the dentist. It delivers oxygen throughout the body. Blood is more than 80% water and, and blood carries oxygen to different parts of the body. And I actually read this, um, and I may have even shared it with you, but um, they were talking about when's a good time to drink water. Well, they say definitely before you have a shower, um, because if you want to avoid a stroke or a heart attack, um, in the heat it tends to thicken our blood up. And so if you have a glass of water before a shower, it will help you not to have a stroke or a heart attack. Um, also, before you go to bed, you should have a glass of water. Um, and that will stop you having, well, it will, 
maybe I shouldn't use the word stop, but it would reduce the fact that you that you would have a stroke. You're less likely to if you're drinking water. And so there are times of the day where, where it is good, you know, like I, I um, when, when you get up, drinking one or two glasses is good just to get your body going. It gets all your organs going. Sometimes some people in, in the morning, first thing in the morning, they drink warm water. Um, and that's even better because that gets your um, organs going even faster. It, blood is more than 80%. 90% water and, and blood carries oxygen to different parts of the body. It boosts skin and health beauty. With dehydration, the skin be- can become more vulnerable to skin disorders and premature wrinkling. Now, none of us want that, do we? Uh, it cushions the brain and spinal cord and other sensitive tissues. Dehydration can affect the brain structure and function. It is also involved in the production of hormones and neurotransmitters. Prolonged dehydration can lead to problems with thinking and reasoning. Very important. Um, I know that um, the government some years ago brought out that when you went to the pub or you went to a bar, that after you had so many drinks of alcohol, you should just have a glass of water. Um, I know I did that once myself and um, had a few people... um, laughing at me drinking uh, water but I tell you what you know uh, it it certainly made a difference so um, we'll carry on with this subject next week because we've got just got so much more that I want to share with you about water and we've just really run out of time so we'll leave it there for today
Welcome back to Amazing Grace here on Manawatu People's Radio. All right, before the break, down is the way up. When Jesus was here, his presence was the cause of polarization amongst those who met him. He was set for the falling and rising of many in Israel. The worshippers of tradition, the self-righteous, the liberals, and those dependent upon other people to determine truth for them fell hard when Jesus came. But there was a positive side to the picture also, which brings hope and courage to troubled hearts. The other part to Simon's prophecy included the rising again of many in Israel. The story is told of someone who had fallen over the edge of a cliff above the ocean. He hung on desperately and cried out for help. A voice above him said, I will help you, but first thing you must do is to receive my help is to let go. Ouch. It is a surprise to some people to discover that at the point they let go, instead of crashing into the waters below, they are surrounded by the gospel net. They must fall who would rise again. We must fall upon the rock and be broken before we can be uplifted in Christ. Self must be dethroned. Pride must be humbled. If we would know the glory of the spiritual kingdom, the Jews would not accept the honor that is reached through humiliation. Therefore, they would not receive their Redeemer. He was a sign that was spoken again. This is one of the reasons why people turn Jesus down. They do not want to enter into his kingdom through humiliation. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and he, the rich he hath sent away empty. The problem of sin and our ability to meet the requirements of God's law is what shows in our need and drives us to the rock to be broken. For the backslider who wants to come back for the teenager who is bound with guilt and sin, for the hopeless who thinks that there is not a chance in the world for you, comes this message. You have to be down before you can go up. The most dangerous position is not that one who is down and knows it, but the one who feels that he is up and doesn't need to go down. The one who is living his spotless life independent of Jesus Christ. They must fall who would rise again. And that's just an amazing subject and and, uh, it'd be a wonderful subject to preach a sermon on. But honestly... Um, it's one of the the greatest problems in Christianity is that people real, don't realize that they have to humble themselves. We have to be humble, but God will lift us up at the right time. So humility leads to victory. As I said before, surrender leads to victory. Humility leads to being lifted up, leads to victory. And it's just trusting God that his way is the best way. And when you follow him for some time, you realize that his way is just the best way. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Welcome back to Amazing Grace. And here on Manawatu People's Radio. Now, as I promised at the beginning of our program, I'm going to read from the book Steps to Jesus. Um, Just going to read for probably about five minutes or so, um, just to give you an idea of um, how wonderful this book is. So it's talking about the sinner's need of Christ. Paul wanted to be pure and to be right with God, but knowing that he did not have the power to change himself, he cried out, What an unhappy man am I? Who will rescue me from this body that is taking me to death? This sad cry has gone up from troubled hearts in all countries and in all times. There is but one answer for everybody. Behold, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. God has tried in various ways to make this truth clear to all who would want to be free from sin. After Jacob deceived his father and stole the blessing that belonged to his brother Esau, he had to leave the home. He was alone and a long way from his family. But one thing troubled him more than all others. 
He was afraid that his sin had cut him off from God. In sadness, Jacob lay down on the bare earth to rest. Lonely hills were around him. The bright, starry heavens were above. While he slept, he dreamed that he saw a bright light shining around him. A tall ladder seemed to reach up from where he lay to the very gates of heaven. Angels were going up and down the ladder, and from the glory above, Jacob heard a voice speak, a message of comfort and hope. This message from heaven met the need of his heart. He was shown that through his Saviour, he, a sinner, could be friends, could again be friends with God. He was happy and thankful. The latter in Jacob's dream represented Jesus, who alone is able to bring God and people together. Christ was speaking of Jacob's dream when he said to Nathanael, You will see heaven open and God's angels going up and down, coming down on the Son of Man. John one fifty one. When Adam and Eve sinned, they turned away from God's love and friendship. They separated themselves from him. They could no longer speak with him. But through Christ, earth is again joined with heaven. Jesus made a bridge between earth and heaven so that the angels could help and comfort people. He took sinful, weak, helpless people and put them in touch with the source of infinite power. We need God's help in everything that we try to do. Everything that we do to help people live better lives will come to nothing without help from heaven. God is the only hope for sinners. Every Good gift and every perfect present comes from heaven, it says in James 1.17. Without God, we cannot have a truly good character, and the only way to God is Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except by me, John 14.6. God has a deep interest in his earthly children. His love for us is a stronger than any other power in giving up his Son. God has poured out to us all heaven in one gift. Jesus lived and died and is now our powerful high priest. Heavenly angels are working to save us. A loving Father and a Holy Spirit are working together for our salvation. Let us spend time thinking about the great sacrifice that the Saviour made for us. Let us give thanks for all the work that heaven is doing to save the lost. God is doing all he can to bring us back to his house. To move us to do right, Christ offers great rewards. He promises happiness in heaven where forever and ever we will develop the mind, soul and body. We will enjoy the company of angels and share the love of God and his Son. Surely these rewards are enough to make us want to give our hearts to to our Creator and our Redeemer. On the other hand, God's words warn us against serving Satan. It tells us that sin destroys the character and brings eternal death. At the end of the world, God will destroy all sin. Let us remember the, the mercy of God. What more could God do? Let us place ourselves in the right relation to him who loved us so much. Let us accept God's love and the way that we can be changed to be like him. Then we shall be friends with the heavenly angels and feel at home with the Father and the Son. And so the only way to heaven is through the Son, through Jesus Christ, to have faith and trust in him, not trust in yourself. If you trust in yourself, you're a fool. You should only trust in Jesus. Look, friends, you know, it is sometimes a struggle. There are there are times in life where we think, should I go to the right or to the left? We should always just offer up a prayer, even a silent prayer. Just offer up a prayer, Lord, what should I do? Because, you see, we can't see the end from the beginning. You know, there have been many times where I thought, well, you know, if God doesn't work now, this whole thing's going to fall over. God has a plan that we don't know anything about. And so what we do is we need to learn to trust him and not to put our own schemes and plans into place, but to trust in his plans and his schemes, give ourselves to him and allow him to work in our lives. 
And I promise you, friend, that you will have so much joy and peace in your life if you give Jesus control of your life. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh
You're listening to Amazing Grace here on Manawatu People's Radio. All right, in the last segment today, we're reading from this wonderful book called The Desire of Ages. really helped me in my life, in my spiritual life, um, brought out spiritual things that I needed to, to see that I, that I hadn't seen um, and applied them to my own life. And, and that's what's important, friends. It's not just seeing the spiritual things, but it's applying it to your life. So this um, this particular chapter that we've been reading was um, about the transfiguration, and then when Jesus and James, John, and Peter came down off the mountain, there was this um, young boy who had been possessed, and his father had wanted to have the demon cast out, and um, the disciples couldn't do it because they'd been arguing about who was the greatest, and so... Uh, their faith had departed, and anyway, when Jesus came down, he he cast um, he cast the demon out of the boy, um, and so we want to just carry on from where we finished last time. So, in a brief space of time, the favoured disciples had beheld the extreme of glory and of humiliation. They had seen the hum- humanity as transfigured in the image of God and had debased into the likeness of Satan. From the mountain where he had talked with heavenly angels and had been proclaimed the Son of God by the voice that that radiant glory, they had seen Jesus descend to meet that most distressing and revolting spectacle, the manic boy with disordered countenance, gnashing his teeth in spasms of agony that no human power could relive. And this mighty Redeemer, who but a few hours before stood glorified before his wandering disciples, stoops to lift the victim of Satan from the earth, where he is wallowing and in health of mind and body restores him to his father and his home. It was an object lesson of redemption, the divine one from the father's glory stooping to save the lost. It represented also the disciples' mission, not alone upon the mountaintop with Jesus. In hours of spiritual illumination is the life of Christ's servants to be spent. There is work for them down on the plain. Souls whom, souls whom Satan has enslaved are waiting for the word of faith and prayer to set them free. The nine disciples are yet pondering upon the bitter fact of their own failure. And when Jesus was once more alone with them. They questioned, why, would, why could we not cast him out? Jesus answered them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye should be able to say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Halbert, this kind goeth out, but only by prayer and fasting. Their unbelief had shut them out from the deepest sympathy with Christ, and their carelessness with which they had regarded the sacred work committed to them had caused their failure in the conflict with the powers of darkness. The words of Christ pointing to his death had brought sadness and doubt. And the selection of the three disciples to accompany Jesus to the mountain had excited the jealousy of the nine. Instead of strengthening their faith by prayer and meditation on the words of Christ, they had been dwelling on their discouragements and personal grievances. In this state of darkness, they had undertaken the conflict with Satan. In order to succeed in such a conflict, they must come to the work in a different spirit. Their faith must be strengthened by fervent prayer and by fasting and humiliation of heart. They must be emptied of self and be filled with the Spirit and the power of God. Earnest, persevering supplication to God and faith. Faith that leads to entire dependence on God and unreserved consecration to His work can alone avail to bring men the Holy Spirit's aid in the battle against principalities and powers, the rulers of darkness in this world, and the wicked spirits in high places. If ye have faith as a grade 
of mustard seed, said Jesus, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. Though the grain of mustard seed is small, it contains the same mysterious life principle which produces growth in the loftiest tree. When the mustard seed is cast into the ground, the tiny germ lays hold of every element that God provided for its nutriment and its speedy development and its sturdy growth. If you have faith like this, you will lay hold upon God's word and upon all helpful agencies he has appointed. Thus your faith will strengthen and you will bring your aid to the power of heaven. The obstacles that are plied by Satan across your path, though apparently are as insurmountable as the eternal hills, shall disappear before the demand of faith. Nothing shall be impossible for you. And remember last last week, um, faith comes by the word of God, then grasp his promise. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out, John 6.37. What a beautiful promise. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. If you come to Jesus, you don't have to tidy yourself up before you come. You don't have to get rid of your sins. You don't have to get rid of... Just come as you are. Just come as you are, and he will accept you. He will do the job of, of cleaning you up. You don't need to clean yourself up. You don't, need, And you can't get rid of those sins that are ever besetting you. But he can get rid of them if you will just come to the foot of the cross each and every day submitting yourself to him and he will do the work in you that you cannot do yourself. And so we should cast ourselves at the feet of Christ with a cry, Lord, I believe Help thou mine unbelief. You can never perish while you do this. No, never. Lord, I believe, like this man, he had some faith because he would he brought his son to Jesus. But when it didn't immediately wasn't cast out, he lost he lost hold on his faith. And we all have some unbelief. I don't care. Even, you know, the great um, Elijah, after defeating all the prophets of Baal one day, the next day he runs from the threatens of, of a queen. You know, we all have some unbelief. But if we say, Lord, I believe in you, but I still have unbelief, please help me. You will never fail if you pray that prayer. You're acknowledging that you that you believe. You're also acknowledging that you have some unbelief and you're asking God to help you. And that's the secret, friends. So we've come to the end of our time together today. And uh, as we finish, um, I want to pray for you um, and just remind you of these two books, The Desire of Ages, that I just read from then. Um, also the book, Steps to Jesus, two wonderful books that we're giving away. And if you contact us or contact the station, we'll be happy to post those out to you. Remember, if you have a question for us or would like to make a comment on something that we have said, or you, you're more than welcome to do that. And so let's just bow our heads as we finish in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity um, to share the gospel. We thank you that you love and care for all of those people in Radio Land that are listening. There is not one person that you will cast out. Whoever comes to you, you will accept, and you will work in their life if they will but give their life to you. Father, we're not even able to really even give our lives to you because we're so double-minded at times, Lord, we say we want to do this, and then when things turn against us, we change our minds. But Father, we give you permission to come into our life today, to work in us, to will, and to do of your good pleasure. 
And so, Father, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would work in the lives of our listeners today and their families. May they be blessed, is my prayer for each person today. For I ask and pray this all in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. Amen. All right, friends. um, From all of us here at Amazing Grace, we pray that you will grow in grace. May the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.npr.nz forward slash donate.